welcome guests to Trail Angels powered by Karen the Load. We are thrilled today. This is our second episode of the year 2022. And, uh, you know, what a great way to start the year off uh, to talk about uh, the importance of, uh, of, of uh, mentors, the importance of life, the importance of stories. We have with us today Paul Henderson. Paul lives in the state of Virginia, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about Paul in a minute. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm really thrilled to be talking with Paul today as Annette and I have a chance to talk about something that's really important to us, and that's the, uh, the relevance of stories in our lives. So thank you, Paul, for joining us. Hey, thank you, um, Annette and Mark, for having me. I'm, I'm so happy to be here, and um, I'm so excited to talk about these subjects on hand. Great, great. Well, let me just share a little bit about Paul. Uh, Paul A. Henderson is a sports chaplain. He's an author and a motivational speaker. He's a former track and field athlete at Virginia Commonwealth University, VCU. Go Rodney the Ram. <laughs> we, we all can't have as cool of mascots as Rodney the Ram, but uh, that's, that's awesome. Uh, Paul blogs on uh, fatherhood on the fly. And we're going to ask Paul about what fatherhood on the fly means and what that slogan is all about. Uh, you know, he uses a combination of encouragement and humor from daily experience with his boys to inspire dads from different backgrounds to embrace the journey of fatherhood and all that comes with it. Uh, you know, I, I love the story that Paul offers, and, and I'm not going to do it justice. I'm going to allow him to share more about it. Yeah. But, you know, first, before I share that, I'm excited for Paul because today is a very important day in your life. Why, why is that the case, right. Paul? Uh, thank you so much. Um, today is the official release of my first book, Slave No More, Conquering the, the Master Within. And um, I, I'd rather spend it no way than, than, than share sharing my story uh, just one more time. Absolutely. So thank you all so once again for having me today. <laughs> you know, Paul, when I read the title of your book, it it just pulled me in. And, and I'm like, I want to read this book. Mm-hmm. And we each need to learn to conquer that master within. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, that I am looking forward to learning from you. And I'm sure our guests will appreciate it as well. So, so Paul, in fact, I, I just made a decision. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm I, I'm not going to read about what happened to you in January of 2017. I want you to share with our listeners uh, a little bit about what happened and uh, how that affected your life and uh, how that event that you're going to be sharing with us is something that uh, helped you and your motivation, not only to read, to write a book, but to change the trajectory of what you are doing professionally. Okay, absolutely. And um, I'll actually back up a little bit. Um, So you mentioned I was a former track and uh, field athlete at Virginia Commonwealth University, VCU. um, And I like to put emphasis on former. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm surely not running like that anymore. Um, So so once I graduated, um, uh, excuse me, once I finished undergrad, I got my master's in in teaching. And um, so after school, I had an opportunity, I had two offers on the table, one to teach, um, you know, at a local school and the other uh, with a group called the um, nonprofit uh, sports ministry called the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which is where the whole sports ministry uh, things comes to play, play the sports chaplain uh, part of my role. Um, 
So I did that for eight years. And man, I, I learned so much. I learned so much during that time, you know, fundraising. I had an opportunity to, um, you know, speak to athletes from the middle school, high school, collegiate level, all the way up to I actually had a couple of opportunities to to do um, the, the the sports chapel or pregame chapel before uh, before uh, three NFL games. So, you know, I, I got my feet wet uh, really good there. Um, but around 2016, I, you know, I was facing some challenges within my role and, um, and I, I was starting to feel a pull, you know, I was starting to feel a pull. And right around that time, I decided to leave. Uh, uh, I decided, decided to leave the ministry. I decided to leave FCA. And um, and I just knew that my next role would be to teach. So so I, I leave FCA, which was a, comf- a comfortable place for me. I, I did that for eight years and I go into teaching now. It's not just teaching at a uh, general public school where all the kids just want to come there because they're so excited to learn. <laughs> this wasn't that type of school, okay? <laughs> this is uh, what we call a, a private alternative day school <laughs> where, um, you know, I, I like to look at it as, you know, in 2015, I had my first opportunity to speak in, in front of millionaire uh, NFL athletes. Um, in October of 2016, I had kids calling me everything but my name. And, and you know. <laughs> So it, it, it was a definitely a sharp turn. It was definitely a sharp turn of events. So I just knew that I was supposed to be there like this. This is what I went to school for. I went to school because I wanted to teach. I remember it was, I believe it was uh, December of 2016. Um, I had my first experience with the HR person coming to our school. I didn't know what was going on. I, I, I saw the guy who, we, we had four campuses, and I saw the guy who was in charge of all four campuses there with us. And I'm like, oh, what, what's he doing here? You know, me just being green and everything. Um, I had no idea why he was there. They set us down and let us know that they had run into some funding challenges. Now, now, granted, I'm married. I have two children, two small children, and my wife is pregnant with our third. At this meeting, they let us know that our campus would be shutting down come January. Mm. I I can't I can't even tell you the thoughts that 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 ran through my my mind. I, I left this this FCA thing where I felt pretty comfortable um, outside of some of the fundraising. I felt I felt pretty comfortable. Um, you, you know, I got my wife. We, my wife and I were, had just overcome some challenges. We were still, um, you know, on our way up from some of those challenges. She's pregnant with our third child, and I'm about to lose my job. You know, a couple of months before, b- before you know, we have a baby, our third baby. Like, what in the world am I to do? January, late January of 2017 was my last day, and I remember going home that day and just really not having a thought. I mean, outside of what's next. What's next? That was five years ago. <laughs> wow. So, so after after January of 2017, uh, you you began to do something. You you had a lot of thoughts, right? And uh, you you began to do something that uh, was very important. And what kind of leads us to what we're talking about today? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Um. So from that time, you know, I'm thinking that. You know, I'll find a job in no time. I'm applying for jobs every day. I think I'm a pretty sharp guy, <laughs> you know, so I'm applying for jobs day in and day out, day in and day out. And I mean, then in the evening, I'm going out and networking and I'm talking with some of my former donors and saying, hey, do you know anybody that's looking for, you know, for, you know, you know, a sharp young black man? I don't I don't know, <laughs> you know, to potentially to potentially work. And, and I, it was hard. 
we had our baby in, in March, uh, March 7th, uh, 2017. And I just remember like, man, it's been, it's been two months. It's been, it's been almost two months. And, you know, it's, it's almost like you're going through a tunnel, but you're still going down because you can't see that you can't see the end. I, I couldn't see the end in sight. I couldn't see the daylight. Um, but I remember going to an event in, in April and the guy who I'd known for, uh, I'd known him for about 15 years. He said, Paul, there's something in you. There's something in you that the world needs to see. And um, that night, April 5th, 2017, is when I started writing Slave No More, Conquer the, Conquering the Master Within. That, that night was the night that I sat by my wife while she's nursing our baby boy. And I wrote the, the first words. Bobby was frustrated. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's how it all started. Wow. I, 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 I reflect back to a time when there was a downsize in, in a workforce where Mark was working and we had four young children Mm. and, and I reflect back to, you know, what that did to him as a provider and a father and that, self-esteem of working so hard to find a job and to be able to take care of his family. And I can see that in you when you're reflecting back that you had that pressure and you wanted to care for your you know, wife and your children. And, and I love that this gentleman, this friend of yours said, there's something within you that others need. And that's, you know, that's what Trail Angels is all about. It's taking what's within us and sharing it with others and helping others on their journey. So thank you for taking that man's advice and looking within. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Paul, during that time, you, uh, you read something that uh, greatly affected you. The quote is, in every adversity lies a seed of equal or greater benefit if you have a positive attitude. And, and, and we believe that. We, we believe that uh, there, <clears throat> excuse me, things happen for reasons. And very often, uh, the stories that come from those experiences can be very insightful. Hmm. Let's talk about your book for a minute here, because your book is, is a compilation of uh, not only... Bobby being frustrated, but hearing the stories of so many others that talked about uh, uh, their own experiences of broken families, of racial tension, of uh, physical ailments and sexual trauma. Uh, tell us about uh, stories and the and the relevance of stories in your in your writings. Right. Okay. So um, it's, it's funny. You go going back to that quote. Um, you know, in every adversity lies a seed of equal or greater benefit. Um, you know, if you have a positive attitude, I, I remember first hearing that quote, and then I remember, um, I, then I remember reading it for myself. And um, so I, I find myself in this adversity, right? You know, I, I don't have a job. I'm, I'm looking for a job. I have a family that's that's counting on me to support. My wife is, um, you know, on, on maternity leave, and you know, we're trying to figure out where's the where's the income going to come from. So then we get to the point where I start writing. The awesome thing about writing during that time is the, is the fact that I did not have the pressure of a job. You know, so I was able to write from 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. and not have to worry about, you know, going to work the, the next day. Mm-hmm. Was I still applying for jobs? Absolutely. You know, and I was doing different things to try to take care of my family. 
But it was during that time I found the opportunity to actually interview some of these people who are characters within my book who had stories. And these are people that I know. They're, they're, they're personal friends of mine or for pe- uh, people that I look up to. As a matter of fact, the, the, the woman who dealt with uh, the racial tension, she actually babysits my children. You know, mm-hmm. she they call they call her Nana. Uh, now, it, so what you'll see, I remember the first time I heard her story and, and she was talking about a town in, in Virginia called Prince Edward County. And, and what happened there was in the 1950s, you know, they put the orders out to integrate the schools. Now, her school district decided, you know what, we don't want to integrate. So rather than integrating, we're going to shut the school system down. OK, so I, I can't even ima- I can't even imagine being in her shoes. It, so the school system was shut down for five years. Yet I see her. And when I met her, she was she was a nurse. So I'm like, OK, how did you miss five years of school? But you're coming up on your retirement as a, as a nurse. You see, what happened was she she had people around her who spoke life in her and told her good things that she had to choose to believe rather than focusing on her experiences. Right. So rather it's her experiences of, of being, uh, you know, taken out of school for, for five years because of the refusal to integrate, or you also read a story about times where her, her dad just spoke negative things over her life and, and told her different things that were not uplifting things that I can't even imagine saying to my own children. Right. So she had to a, a choice. What, what am I going to believe? And I, am I going to believe the people who are encouraging me or am I going to believe that the negative seeds that were planted in my life long ago? So me as a young man, and Bobby's character is somewhat, somewhat, uh, you know, focused on on me just just a little bit. I took some of my personal traits and some of the, some traits from different other um, other young adults that I know, and I put them I put them in Bobby because I remember the first time I heard her story, how encouraged I was, how empowered I was, and how I looked at her story and said, you know what, if she can overcome that, then I can overcome this situation that I'm going through. Yeah, I, I I think that uh, that that story in itself, you know, and that and I are just listening. Okay, this is this is these things don't happen in our day and age. And- well, but it's not coincidence either, Paul, that that this this woman who had all these experiences came into your life and is your kid's nana, and <laughs> and the the encouragement and the empowerment and. And it's just resonating within me and all that we are with trail angels and carrying the load. And that's who we are. And why we're here is to encourage others and help them see that they can do it too. You know, very, very often we hear hear the term that someone is self-made. They were a self-made millionaire or they were a self-made success. I don't believe it. We, we don't believe that. Uh, <laughs> you know, in life, uh, there's nothing. There's nothing that uh, really allows us to get through life with successes without uh, standing on the uh, shoulders of giants. Right. So, so Paul, let's talk about that idea for a minute. Uh, in the book, you talk about a mentor to Bobby, uh, a Mister J. Tell us about the character of Mr. J and what did Mr. J do differently than maybe others around Bobby in his life that allowed him to see light through a different prism? 
Yeah, I, I, I love Mr. J. And um, so Mr. J and Bobby are both fictional characters and, and they're both compilations. Bobby is more so, my, you know, myself and different people who I know who have gone through certain things and have battled, you know, that frustration based on past life circumstances. And, and they have trouble looking at a situation and finding the positive is they, they, you know, um, you, you'll be at work, for example. A, a challenge will come at work and you're reminded of something that happened from childhood. You're reminded of something that happened in college or or on, on your sports team. Mr. J is a compilation of people who have poured into my life. Right. So I, I would I would I, I would think about different things that people have taught me over the years. And I'll say, you know what, we're going to put all of this in, in uh, to help create Mr. J's Mr. J's character. And um I, I think about, you know, guys like, for example, uh, there's a guy in my life right now who, who I look up to. And, um, you know, he helps me when I, when I have questions about, you know, being being a better husband, being a better father. His, his, his name is actually uh, Roger. And and I remember having lunch with um, or breakfast with Roger at, at Panera a couple of months ago. And Roger, it was it was surreal. I had a question about something that I was going through. And the example that he gave me was it, it, it sounded like he was Mr. J. He gave a great analogy about how to overcome, which is exactly what Mr. J does throughout the book. He'll he'll take, um, you know, he'll take an apple and he'll he'll cut it in half. He'll pull out the seeds and say, do you just see an apple or do you see an orchard here? You know, and, and Roger did the exact same thing to me just a couple of months ago after my book is, is already out. But that, that just goes to show you that there is so much power in having a, a mentor. And that's the role that Mr. J plays um, in the book. He's he's helping Bobby to take a uh, take another look or a different look um, and to, to find a positive in the situations that he's that he's dealt with. So your friend was, in a sense, a mentor as well <clears throat> with you that day. So when you think of your friend, when you think of uh, Mr. J, what are some of the characteristics? One of the characteristics you talked about was vision. Right. He had vision to help you to understand more than just the here and the now. What would you say are some of the other characteristics of some of the uh, visionaries, some of the uh, mentors that that uh, make a difference in people's lives today? Yeah. Uh, one thing that I've that I've dealt with or that I've um, experienced with the mentors that I've had is one one that they care. They they genuinely care uh, about me and, and, and my well-being. So so whether it's Roger, whether whether it's Brian, whether it's Aaron, you know, I can go to these guys and I'll say, hey, this is what I'm going through. And uh, so each of them play a different role that I, t- I tend to go to the mentor who has who has overcome in a, a specific area. So, for example, if I, if I have a question about look, looking to improve my family's financial situation, you know, Aaron's a great guy to go to because he's a financial advisor. <laughs> you know, um, uh, Roger is a great guy to go to when it comes to a family thing. Because I, I, when I look at his family, I, I see a solid family. I see a solid family structure. I see, I see, uh, I see uh, children. Who 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 respect them, you know? Um, and I, same thing with Brian. I see Brian's. His, he has Brian has two sons. His, his sons love hanging out with him. And I, I have four sons now. And and when my sons get older and off to college and they graduate, I want that from I want that for my sons as well. I want them to love coming home to hang out with dad as well. So t- typically, what I look at is um, what where are they successful, and you know, and how can that how can that potentially Help me as I'm looking to grow, and um, and for each of them, they they, they all they're all genuine, they care, 
And they're all very selfless. They're all very selfless. I appreciate each of those examples, Paul. And I'm sitting here thinking, you are a you're you're a lot like Mark and I, especially like like I am in, in the fact that I watch people, and and I want to learn from their successes, from their things that they've overcome. And, but it takes someone willing to be real and vulnerable and, you know, that it's, they're genuine. They're not, they're not putting on a show that life is perfect all the time because life isn't perfect all the time. And so I love that you've had those examples in your life, those trail angels for you to help you along your path to help you become the father, the mentor, the teacher, all of these things that you can see how you've been blessed and benefited from, from others. Yeah. So, so Paul, let's talk about the book itself. Uh, the, uh, the uh, title of the book, you've chosen your words very carefully, haven't you? In the title of the book there, there are, you know, again, the, the name Slave No More, Conquering the Master Within. Tell us what what is meant by that uh, title. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually got the title probably eight, nine years ago. And I, I was just about to go, I was headed to speak at a school. And not it came to my mind and, and I said, it, it, it felt, it, it came to me, it, it dropped on me like a load of bricks. And I said, this is the title of the book that I'm going to write someday. You know, and it's funny at the time, I didn't know that it would be inspirational fiction. Um, but what, what happened was I, I would I would think about uh, slavery, if you will, um, slavery in, in, in the United States. And I, I would think about, um, you know, the, the, the fact that, you know, you had the emancipation, you know, proclamation, you know, back in the 1860s. Uh, then what happened was, was there were some slaves who actually went out and pers- pursued their freedom and they, you know, they, they, you know, end up making great lives for themselves. Then there were others who actually just went back and worked for the same master. So they were still slaves just without the title. Right. So I began to think about life in general, you know, as, as a hist- I was a history major. So I, I would as a history major, I would see different people having different circumstances. And I'm like, man, this is almost just like just like slavery, but just, you know, more not res- not necessarily the slavery um, like as chattel slavery, but also it was like a mindset. So I would think about in the book, her name is Rosa Rogers, who um, who was the, uh, the person who dealt with the, the school refusing to integrate. She told me that there were so many people who were in the exact same situation that she was in, but they didn't graduate and they're still in the same town to this day. So I would begin to think like, okay, yeah, person a here who graduates and ends up having a 40 year successful career. Then you have person B who's the same age, went to the same school, but they're still in the same town and they're still talking about what happened to them in the past. That's the thing that it really, it just really, really got me. Because I, I would just just do. I, I'm, a, I'm an observer, so I, I will look around. Whether it's around town, whether it's around school, whether it's around my church, whether it's around just just out in public, I would see so many different people from the with the same set of circumstances. One has decided to overcome and conquer that master within, if you will, and the other still talks about the master and what happened to them. 
the point the point I really wanted to drive home and, and why I chose the title Conquering the Master with him, because I wanted to be sure that we were talking about that, you know, that thing that's holding us bound from being all that we actually can be. That and that's that's it. that's really why I added that subtitle because I really wanted to know that it that, that could be any of us. That that can really uh, be any of us. You know, it doesn't matter who we are. You know, we 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 all can uh, relate to that to a degree. Uh, mm-hmm. There, I think that uh, we all have the slave and the master with mm-hmm. within ourselves. Oh, for sure. I'm I'm thinking about individuals that I know. I'm thinking of my own life. I'm thinking of how as I am learning and becoming and learning to conquer that master within me, because we all have it. Right. And, but it's based on different situations. I mean, I can look and I've often said, well, you know, that happened to them, but that also happened to me. But look where I'm at, look where they're, they're at. And what's the difference? Right. And, you know, in, in whether it's your friend who chose to, to believe those positive things that were told to her as a young girl, and she went on and, and made a difference in her life and the lives of many others. And we can't have those excuses. It comes down to making an excuse, I think. And, right. and how do we conquer that within us? so that we can become the best that we can right. be. Yeah, absolutely. A- a- absolutely. And that's, that's, you hit the nail on the head right there. You hit the nail on the head because there, there's so many people who, ha- who kind of, and, and I, I never take, make light of anyone's situation because yeah. your situation is, is, is your situation. And if you've been through hard times, if you had rough challenges, man, that's real. That is real. But the choice comes is how, how do you view those challenges and what's your response? See, the response is in your control. You can't go to control what happened in the past, but you can't control your response to those your response to those situations. Which which takes <laughs> us back to that quote again. In every adversity lies a seed of equal or greater benefit if you have a positive attitude. But that it it is, it's a choice. It is that choice within us of how we're going to respond. And and that's really something you haven't you haven't listened, Paul, to our episode podcast, the first one that just came out yesterday. Actually, it just came out today. <laughs> it, it, it published today's live. But we are talking about how we respond to situations. Are we just not responding negatively or appropriately? Right. And it all comes down to that choice. You know, I love I, I love the uh, the discussion here, and uh, you know, you've really you've you've really given me some uh, some uh, thought opportunity here because when, like you, uh, you know, I've got a lot of similarities with with you. Uh, you know, I, I also was a history guy in college uh, in American studies, yeah. and and uh, you know, I I read about uh, Lincoln and uh, the proclamation of emancipation and, uh, you know, the 1864, what happened with slavery during that time. But, you know, very often we don't really think about slavery today as a personal thing. We, we have, we have vices, we have issues that we have to deal with where we maybe think that we don't have the ability to overcome. But it is, you know, when we learn from history 
And that's what is so upsetting to me. And in a lot of things that are happening is we want to erase history as if it never happened. And I believe we can learn from every bit of history, negative or positive, because it can't apply. And here's a way which I've never, ever looked at slavery in this way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you, you, it's right on. And, and we are slaves to that master within us. Mm. And do we want to conquer that and become or are we going to be, you know, stay at that that level that that within us, that voice we hear that's often not letting us, you know, be who we can become. It's wanting to tell us that we're not good enough, at least in my life. (laughs) But but the fact is, is that not only are you the slave, but you're also a master. I am. And and you have those choices and those uh, options uh, and opportunities to, uh, to change that. But it comes back to a choice, right? right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It comes back to a choice. Every single time. So, so Paul, you know, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are with regards to uh, freeing ourselves from enslaving thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what are some of what are some of your ideas as to how we can free ourselves from those enslaving thoughts? Right. Absolutely. So, um, one one thing that I, I I firmly believe in is 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 a, is a mentor. And that's that's where that's the role that Mr. J plays, um, you know, in the book. And and typically when I think of a mentor, you know, and I, I mentioned this, you know, somewhat earlier, is that I look to see who is in life um, and, and it might be, you know, a, a specific specific area of life um, who is where I would like to be. You know, so if, 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 if they've been, been successful in some area. That's the type of person that I will look to be a mentor because I see that they've already, um, you know, had laid some type of roadmap out to where they've been successful. So um, when it comes to overcoming, overcoming the master within, one thing that that's, that that a mentor does, that a good mentor does is he, he expels lies. He or she expels lies, you know. Um, so, for example, um, I, I like to look at an example that, I, that I've used at, at a school. Um, so I'm on the, um, my current role is I'm actually a, the dean of students at a private school here in Richmond, Virginia. Um, so my, I have a, my, my oldest son is nine years old. Okay. And there is another student in our school who's also nine years old. My son has, um, you know, he has two parents, you know, who, who've been speaking life into him, telling them how much we love him since the day he was, since before he was born, we were telling them how much we love him. Then you think about another nine year old who's only about a month older than my son. Okay. This kid lives with his grandmother. He lives with his grandmother. So anytime I tell my son he's a champion, I'm watering a seed that, that's been planted in his life all along. I tell this other kid he's a champion. He looks at me like, I'm a champion. Like, like, like what, do, what do you mean by that? You see, the way he looks at it is I'm living with my grandmother means that I'm not living with my mom. I'm not living with my dad. How can I be a champion but my own parents don't want me? You know, so... That's, that's when we have to extinguish those thoughts. And so in my role, I'm extinguished as a mentor. I'm extinguishing that thought. And I'm saying, you know what? You're a champion. You're a champion. And the more I tell him that he's a champion, I'm extinguishing that, that thought, which is almost like a destructive fire. And we have to till the ground, make the ground healthy again so that we can pour good seeds there 
water the seed, and then we'll get good fruit. So you fight the negative with uh, with positive. Okay, someone says, you know what, Paul, you're not, you're not going to make. It. You know what, I am going to make it. Paul, you're, you're you know you're a loser. No, I'm a winner. So I, I, you know our words are so so powerful. We have to be very careful about the words that we say about ourselves and that we allow others to speak over. So for any bad thing that we've dealt with that could be a master, we have to find the exact opposite, speak it and speak it consistently over our lives and allow those words to ring true in our lives. So I think that you're speaking from experience. I can tell that. Uh, Going from unemployed teacher to the dean of students in just a few short years. were, were there anything, was there anything personally that uh, really helped you along the way uh, as you combated those uh, thoughts, those enslaving thoughts of, wow, I just got, uh, I, I just got laid off. I must not be very good. You know, we, we get all those weird thoughts running <laughs> through our minds, don't we? Not, yeah, it yeah. didn't matter that the whole school was being closed down, <laughs> but we get right. those thoughts that, oh, I, I'm not appreciated. People don't right. see me for my value. What were some of the things personally that helped you during that time of uh, transition? You know, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to go back to high school because we talked about damaging thoughts. Back in 2002, I was when I was um, running track and uh, I was um, on, we had a pretty good four by 800 meter relay team. And um, we were always one of the top teams in our district, district battling to be one of the top teams in the region. But this year we had a team that we thought could do some damage on the state level. Now, here's the thing. We came in rank number 15th in the state state championship meet. OK, um, earlier that year, <laughs> my track coach told us after school at one of our practices, he said, we got a chance this year, guys. We have a chance this year. He said, but if I'm being honest, if he looked at me, he said, Paul, you're the weakest link. Man, I'll I tell you what, <laughs> Mark, I, I, I knew I knew what he was trying to do. He, he was trying to motivate me and it worked. It worked really well that day. I mean, I was in the front in every um, every interval that we did for, for for the rest of the day. And we ended up finish, start finishing third place in the state. So we covered quite a bit of ground, which was which was a, a pretty good feat for us. But through my life, I began to battle that thought. I, you know, whether it's working on the project at school or being being at work, I don't want to be the weakest link. You know, even before the school shut down, I'm the new teacher. I don't want to be the weakest link. And even in the, in the job transition, I don't want to be the weakest link. I remember talking with Roger one day and I told him some things that I was going through. And he said, Paul, I want you to know something. You're a champion. You're a champion. So rather than hearing that I'm the weakest link, I have this guy telling me that I'm a champion. And and I tell you, I had to choose. It was my choice. What am I going to believe? Am I going to believe something that I was told almost 20 years ago? You know, once again, I understand what he was trying to do, you know, but the fact of the matter is it stuck with me and I dealt with that thing for years. Or am I going to believe Roger saying, hey, Paul, you're a champion. And I had to add, it was my choice once again to believe the positive that that trail angel spoke over me, that I'm a champion. That's a beautiful story. That, that really is a beautiful story. And so you could say that that uh, he was truly a trail angel Absolutely. in your life, that uh, he uh, he kind of forged the, uh, the the trail in front of you. He oh, gave yeah. you the uh, the motivation to move forward when you were tired. Oh, yeah. And uh, more than anything else, he let you know that uh, there was uh, something even better mm-hmm. ahead. Right. 
Absolutely. I, I'd love to meet Roger. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it would it would be interesting from his perspective if he understood his value in your life mm. and now the value in countless individuals because of your blog, your book, you know, who you, you interact with at school as, as a, the Dean of students or whether it's this young man who you tell you're a champion and trying to plant that seed in, in his life. You know, our daughter teaches school. She teaches fifth grade. And it's 11 years now. And it takes a special individual to, to be a teacher and to love, to love these children. And um, years ago, she was teaching at a, at a school that that didn't have, um, it was more of a low income area. And, and I was just shocked how, you know, we'd hear of some of these students whose parents were in prison or just released from prison. And now dad's in prison, but mom just got out. But I recall a, a story of her sharing. It was one of her students' birthdays. And the great grandma had custody of this at the time. It was a third grader. So I think what, eight, eight year old. She was turning eight or nine and great grandma was 90, 90 years old, wanting to make sure she had a special birthday. Mm-hmm. And can I bring a treat to school? Can I do you know anything? And I just think, wow. you know, here's this child. And, and just like this young man that you shared with us, you know, it takes individuals who are willing to reach out, to tell them they're champions, to help plant the seed. And, and you just pray that they will have the courage to, to believe right. the positive and let go of those negative stories. You know, there's, there was never probably more of an important time to uh, talk about mentors than, than today. Uh, when you look at uh, U.S. census statistics, there are over 18 million children, which if you look at the actual numbers, one in four children live without a biological or a stepfather uh, or an adoptive father in their lives. One in four children. And so when we talk about mentors, you know, we, we, we talk about, uh, you know, the, the U.S. Uh, uh, Census Bureau came out with the fact that uh, a fatherless child is uh, four times greater to live in poverty. They uh, are, uh, they're more likely to face abuse and neglect. Uh, I mean, the, the list goes on. Two times more likely to drop out of high school. Uh, more likely to have behavioral problems. And, and the list goes on. And so as, as I'm sitting here listening to you, Paul, I've been, I've been creating a list of what are some of the uh, things that a mentor is? What can a mentor be? And I've created a list. Uh, we, we talked about some of those. Actually, we've talked about all of these. 
A mentor offers vision. They care about the one. They themselves have overcome something in their lives. They're genuine. They're selfless. And they build up versus tear down. Now, I I would even say that uh, your high school coach was building you up, even though he told you that you were the weakest link. Right. <laughs> uh, because because that was a way that uh, he knew you and he knew that uh, that would motivate you to greatness. Would we right. add any other attributes to that list of, of a mentor? Yeah, and absolutely. And first to your point about the high school coach, I absolutely believe that uh, he's the reason that I ran in college. You know, he, he believed in me. He believed in me that, that I could run in college. I wasn't the greatest runner. And uh, he said, Paul, you can run on a collegiate level. So even though we had that situation there that I that I carried with me, it was also his belief in me that I could run on, on a collegiate level. So, um, yeah, absolutely. So I, I agree with you a thousand percent there. Um, a, a mentor, a, a mentor sees the best in you. Mm. When you can't even when you can't see the best in yourself. And uh, that's something that I've, I've had people do with me. That's something that even with with my, my own children, you know, I have four children, ages nine, seven, uh, uh, four and, and uh, almost two year old. So, so it's, it's rowdy around here. It is rowdy around oh, yeah. here. <laughs> we've, gra- we've got grandkids. We, we uh, look forward to their visit, but we look even more forward to when the, when the time they leave. <laughs> <laughs> but um, to say there's yeah. a lot more peace and quiet when they leave. That's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But but yeah, that that but that mentor is sees sees the best in you and, and reminds you of the best in you. And see, that's the difference, isn't it? With your high school coach, he didn't just leave it at Paul. You're the weak link, right? He he built upon that, and that's where a lot of these kids deal with uh, the issues that they're dealing with in their life as they get the negative comments without any reinforcement. Mm-hmm. But but Paul, you know, there was something in how you received that message it hurt it stung but you wanted to do something about it you didn't (laughs) want to be that you know and so you worked your tail off to improve you know to not be that that weekly so it was a choice again i keep coming back to these choices and how we respond or react to different situations but when you talk about these characteristics of mentors, that they see the best when we can't even see it ourselves. That that you said was just powerful to me. So, so Paul, you know, we're, we're in a very interesting time in life. You know, the last two years we've uh, gone through – this whole COVID-19 thing, and uh, apparently we're not anywhere close to being over it. <laughs> and uh, we, all, we all keep on talking about uh, when, when COVID is over, when this pandemic is gone. But I think that sometimes we forget that uh, during the pandemic, we have an opportunity to reinvent ourselves. We have an opportunity to, to, to change and to, to become the master instead of the slave. Uh, have you seen from your interaction with uh, kids in school, what has been your response in watching what has happened to the kids during the last two years? Have they become stronger, more resilient, or has there been maybe an opposite of that where they've maybe reverted back to things that uh, 
that we 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 want to uh, get beyond. Yeah, so so it's, it's kind of challenging. Uh, the school that I'm in is a K through eight school, kindergarten through eighth grade school. And um, I think one of the biggest challenges, especially being that it's a private school, we've had some that have come from the public school. The public schools were all online, you know, for the past year and some change. So we had we've had students who have come from being doing school at home to actually having to learn or relearn how to function in a, in a school building, in a school setting. That that in itself has been challenging. Probably the more challenging thing, quite honestly, has been um, working with working with some of the parents, uh, working with some of the parents. And as as the dean of students, as someone who's looking to pour into their lives, the, sometimes the challenge is um, pouring into a student who who's going home and hearing something completely opposite of what I'm telling them. Hmm. Uh, that. That right there, um, I remember I had a student, and you know, once again, a lot of students that in my school, not all of them, but quite a bit of them are from um, low-income areas. I know this parent has dealt with uh, quite a bit of frustration for whatever reason. You know, once again, we've been in this pandemic for, you know, we're close to two years now. And I remember this, this student was having some behavioral challenges um, one day. And I called them, I called the parent. Uh, with the hopes of seeing if we could partner together to help encourage their child to get back on the right track. After I explained the situation to the parent, I heard the parent say almost everything she said to the child was completely opposite of what I've been telling, what I've been telling them. It was hard to know that I've been speaking life and trying to say, hey, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And then hear a parent call their child names on the phone. <laughs> now, when I look at that, I can't help but think that part of that comes from the frustration of being locked locked in a house for a couple of years. But at the same time, that what that child is experiencing when I'm not around, when, when they're not at school, I mean, I can't imagine what type of effect, what type of long-term effect that will have on a child. So in my role, I see it as an awesome opportunity to remind them of all the good that I see in them at the same time, knowing that, Hey, I might be battling something that they're, that they're hearing as contrary, you know, while they're at home. Wow. Wow. So, so as I'm listening, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing the fact that uh, not only can we have mentors, but really a parent can be a mentor and, and should be the, the, the most uh, prominent mentor in a child's life. Right. So we we again we we talked about those uh, characteristics and I even added a couple here vision care for the one has overcome they're genuine they're selfless they build up that person they see the best they see the best when we can't ourselves they're transparent and they're vulnerable you know th- you know that that really typifies what a what a mentor parent or a parent mentor should be so well, well, Paul, you know, we, we could go on and on and on because we've, we've touched on so many areas uh, of, of thought here, but there's probably something that we're missing that you wanted to share with us. Uh, uh, can, can you think of anything that you would like to leave us with today that uh, would help our listeners recognize their role as a mentor, their, their role as not only a mentor, but also the master within? Right. Absolutely. Um, 
You know, so I, I meant you, you mentioned my blog earlier, Fatherhood on the Fly. And one thing that I always say is that we're learning, we're growing, and we're getting better one day at a time. And uh, it started out with me just telling funny stories about my sons at soccer games and, you know, different things that would happen, like, you know, them. Uh, kids chasing butterflies rather than kicking a soccer ball. You know? <laughs> um, so it started out just t- telling those stories. But after a while, I, I started to, every once in a while, I would just get a thought and I would just record a video and, and share it. And I started to realize some people that I knew, specifically some guys that I knew that didn't have fathers in their lives were, were really taken to some of the things that I, that, I, that I was saying. And I was like, wow, there's so many fathers out there who have who, who want to do the right thing, but they don't know how to do the right thing. So a mentor and myself, I, I, I guess to my, to some, my blog has been a mentor. I mean, I've, I've been, I've been told, I've been told that they've been encouraged by some of the things that, that, that I've shared. But one thing I always tell them, it's one day at a time. We're going to, we're going to mess up. We're going to drop the ball. As a father, I have dropped the ball countless times, but it's a matter am I willing to get back up? And, and, and to try and to try again. Am I willing if I if I know I messed up with my sons? Am I willing not to just tell them to apologize to their brothers and say, "Hey, I'm sorry"? Am I willing to model that to them and say, "Hey, you know what, Daddy's sorry for what he did. I I, I dropped the ball." So that when they're um, as they grow older and they have their life experiences, they're able to see what was modeled by their key mentor, which is me, their father. You know, mm-hmm. so. So ho- hopefully, you know, uh, you know, one one thing I always share is one day at a time. You can do it. But just remember, we're taking it one day at a time. That's how we conquer the master within one day at a time. Exactly. And sometimes it's one hour at a time. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, one thing that I want the thoughts that, that I've had as you were sharing that experience where you called the mom and wanting to get on the same team here and, and, and help is that if any of our listeners themselves find that the anger within is, is, is winning, they've caught, you know, is, uh, is being the master or, you know, reach out, reach out, reach out, reach out, find a mentor and get some help. And the other is if you are the mentor or you're the friend and you see situations that, that maybe you, you know, with a prayerful heart, you, you ask if you can, can help ask the hard questions, you know, don't be afraid we're beyond just sweeping everything under the rug and not, you know, putting those blinders on. We want to be open and transparent and help others along their journey and in this life and to be trail angels and to find a trail angel in your life so that you can be that mentor to your children and to others who may be watching. The scriptures remind us, he who has eyes, let him see. He who has ears, let him hear. I, I hope, listeners, that we, we truly internalize that message, 
that we look around us. And sometimes we don't have to look very far. It's within the walls of our own homes where we see those that need encouragement, those that uh, need an extra boost in their lives. We, we may never know the impact that just a smile, the impact of a, uh, a, a, a happy greeting, the impact of, wow, you're a very good soccer player means to a child or to an adult for that matter. We all need those positive uh, affirmations by, by uh, given to us by those around us. Well, Paul, we really appreciate you being with us today. You have, you have uh, lit a fire under us about uh, the importance of mentorship, about the importance of, uh, of, of living life with significance and uh, recognizing that uh, although adversity lies all around us, we have that uh, opportunity to, to, to create the positive environment that we seek in our lives. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. We hope that you've enjoyed our conversation with Paul Henderson. We'll put on our, on our, our notes on our podcast how you can get, uh, how you can, how you can get uh, Paul's book. We'll actually have a direct link. Uh, we we will to be able to purchase that through Amazon and to his website. Slave no more, conquering the master within. Paul, thanks again. Each of us have a story to tell. The stories and experiences that our guests share inspire us, as well as help us to grow and connect with others. We invite you to become part of Karen the Load community through social media, as well as to share the site with those you know. We are stronger together. Keep Karen. Thanks, Paul. Thank you so much for having me.